Welcome to Asking for a Friend, a Park Springs podcast. I'm Taylor, and each week I'll sit down with a godly mentor figure in my life and ask questions with the hope of receiving practical biblical advice on the crazy things this life has to offer. On behalf of my friends, of course. Thank you for joining. All right. Hello. America's favorite podcast is back. Woo! And today I'm sitting down with Pastor Charlie. And we're going to have a good talk today. How are you? I'm well. I'm looking forward to it. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's it's early this morning, <laughs> but we're going to get through it and it's going to be great. Um, so today we're talking about Sabbath. Okay. Um, and I think this is a really interesting topic because it might not be one that people think about too often or um, even consider important. I don't know. I didn't until you brought it up in one of our meetings. Okay. So. Yeah, I would love to just talk about this and get your insight on some things. Sounds good. I look forward to it. Yeah. On behalf of my friends, I didn't write these questions. Um, anyway, so how would you start the conversation of Sabbath? Like, what is it for people that might not be familiar? Well, I would, I would say that that's, that's an interesting question because I think it's, it's a bit nuanced between Old and New Testament. So, you know, we have Sabbath uh, kind of showing up. Um, at the very beginning of creation, in the sense that God had set out a rhythm, so six days of creation, and even God rested one day. So there's this sense within the rhythm of God's character and universe that rest is embedded in what God has designed in those regards. So um, it's not as though God God got tired, or that he had limitations, or that he ran out of energy. There was just something about the rhythm in which God set up creation that rest was a part of it. So then you you move um, his people, the nation of Israel, towards um, a lot of different things that are going on and even the Ten Commandments. So they're in the wilderness. And, and in the Ten Commandments, you get this interesting bridge, right? So the first two are about God. The last seven are about people. And then you have this third one that talks about, or kind of one of the middle ones, that, that talks about um, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Um, and so in the context of those things, that meant that um, Saturday, Shabbat, for God's people in the Old Testament, um, ceased from work. And they did nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was set up in a, in a rhythm of basically seven. So the seventh day was rest. The seventh day was, was Saturday, um, and they would rest and cease from all work. After seven years, they would they would take a, a year of rest um, and, and even a, a sense of uh, what they call the year of Jubilee, which meant that uh, they even allowed things to, to rest for an entire year, just kind of a recovering and a replenishment. So um, you, you get that really unique c- command in the Old Testament that um, became something that was... I think a rhythm for the the people of God. When Jesus shows up, some interesting things happen. So, I'll tell you a story. I went to um, Israel a couple of times um, as a you know a, we took a tour and saw the Holy Land and was able to do all of these things and and it was really exciting. Every hotel has what they call a Shabbat elevator. What that means is that there's an elevator that on Shabbat opens on every floor because they believe it's work to press a button. So because they feel like they shouldn't work at all on Saturdays, they essentially just stop at every floor to get into their hotel room. 
I think um, that I understand the intentionality behind it of desiring to want to honor God, but there's a sense in which it gets to move towards a level of legalism. Mm -hmm. So the question I think that faces us is, since God in creation set up a rhythm of rest, how do we understand that in the context of of what Christ has done and who he is um, in this kind of New Testament, New Covenant? And did he change things? Is it different? Should faithful Christians observe the mm-hmm. Sabbath? And, and if so, what day? If Sabbath was Saturday yeah. and the Lord's day that we worship is Sunday, there, there's a level of confusion of saying, if I'm a follower of Christ, I just want to honor God. I want to know what's right and yeah. what I should do. So I think that's kind of the challenge that we're presented as we think about the theology behind the Sabbath. Mm. And is this a topic that a lot of different people have a lot of different opinions? Like some people would say mm-hmm. it's Saturday and some mm-hmm. people would say it's Sunday and it just depends who you're talking to? I, I would say that mostly in the context of kind of evangelical Christianity, you get less of a debate on whether Saturday or Sunday and more of a debate on whether or not it's a sin to not Sabbath. Mm. So that's the challenge is most people would say, because when we talk about New Testament Christianity, we talk about the resurrection, we talk about the Lord's Day, right. which is Sunday. So that's we're, we're celebrating the resurrection of Christ on Sunday. And that's why that day has changed and is different. So we've set that day apart for worship. Um, but the question is then, is it is it dishonoring before God to not take a Sabbath? Um is it dishonor to God to not take a Sabbath on a Sunday? Like, right. how do we think about the rhythm that God has embedded um, in creation for rest? So that that's the I think the debate is more about: Am I sinning right. by not taking a Sabbath? Um, am I sinning by not taking a Sabbath on Sunday? Or are there other things that we can point to that would help us understand the rhythm that God has provided for us in the context of rest? Hmm. So. Would you say that it is a sin to not take a Sabbath? Like, what what's your yeah. take on that? So, so here, I guess, I'd, I'd, let's um, let's enter in maybe to to the theology first a bit, because I think that what we have to do is we have to d- develop an understanding of of what God has set up and really the impact Christ has had. Yeah. So, uh, Jesus begins his earthly ministry, um, and and one of the first things that he does is he goes into a synagogue which is their custom, right? Teachers and prophets and, and uh, would rabbis would go into the synagogue and they would teach. And so Jesus starts his ministry after his baptism and then the temptation. His first entry point is to, to go into the synagogue and begin to teach. He rolls out this scroll and he starts to read from Isaiah 61. Here's what it says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover sight from the blind, uh, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And then here he says in verse 19, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so what he does is he enters in and he's, he's teaching on the Sabbath. He rolls up the scroll and says, this passage has been fulfilled in your presence. So what he's saying is, when we talked about the year of Jubilee, we're saying that what what, what Christ has done is he's proclaimed the year of the Lord's favor and 
in Christ, these things have become fulfilled. So even in other portions of the New Testament, it says that, you know, all of the law and the promise find their yes in Christ, their fulfillment in Christ. So the question then is, how has Christ fulfilled the Ten Commandments? How has he fulfilled the rhythm of perfect rest that God had called wow. the nation of Israel to in the context of um, that rhythm that he set up. So, so now we move from this kind of high-level theology, and and if you will, we go, we go subterranean. So, so we're going into the the attitudes and actions of people's hearts. And so, this became a debate within the context of churches um, in the New Testament. And so, the question was: you had Jewish believers, you had Gentile believers, so people who were non-Jewish that came to faith in Christ. And they come from very, very different religious categories. So the Jews would say, man, we got we to gotta keep the Sabbath, right? It was just embedded in how they yeah. did things. The Gentiles were like, I don't know. What's the big deal? Right. So, so that became a place of, uh, so the conversation about Sabbath became a source of division. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the most important texts for me when I think about how we frame this question is Romans 14, verse 3. So issues in the church in Rome, there's some challenges um, and, and there's some people that have a tendency to pass judgment on one another. Welcome to our world, right? I mean, that, that's how we operate yeah. in our life is we, we think that if we're doing the right thing and someone else is doing something different than what we're doing, we're more noble, we're more righteous, we're more good. And so, again, <laughs> it's the subterranean conversation of what's really going on in our heart. Here's what Paul says. Verse 1, chapter 14 Um, As for one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may may eat anything, while a weak person eats only vegetables. Here's Here's the subterranean conversation. Let not one who despises the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, but welcome him. Um, who, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another if... Uh, It is before his master that he stands and falls. He will be upheld, for the Lord will make him stand. Verse 5. One person esteems one day better than the other, while the other person esteems all days alike. Everyone should be fully convinced in his own mind. Mm -hmm. So the conversation was, well, is there one day that's more significant? And and what Paul is saying is um, that, that, that conversation is a bit too high level. in the sense that it's not really getting into the aspects of a person's heart. So what he's saying is that there's an issue of a matter of conscience that's critical for us to think about when we section off a day that's holy to the Lord. So we have decided, uh, you know, we celebrate worship on Sunday mornings as a community of faith. And I think the Bible gives us reasons why it's the day of the Lord. Um, But I think the real conversation about Sabbath is about um, the the heart motives of whether or not you or I or people who are followers of Christ have an embedded rhythm of rest in their lives. Yeah. Um, Because here's the question, here's the real issue, is that we like to think we don't have limitations. Mm -hmm. So the reason why we don't rest is because we feel like we're competent and can do everything we need to do. We feel like we can control outcomes by doing what we want to do, and we struggle with trusting that God is filling the gaps. So the reason we yeah, struggle with rest right. is because we struggle with faith. Mm. So that would be Uh-oh. a piece of it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the that's the deeper conversation when we talk about Sabbath. 
Yeah, I think so too. And it's less about the day and more about, you know, are you trusting God Mm -hmm. by taking time to not feel like you're in control of everything? Sure. Yeah, that's good. Um, So I guess, what are some things that you do um, to take a rest or to take a Sabbath in your life? Like, do you Mm -hmm. have certain rhythms? Like, do you have a day or do you set aside time each Mm -hmm. day? Mm -hmm. How do you approach that? Thanks for asking, although it's it's not an easy question for me to answer because um, I, I guess if I'm honest, I would say I'm a recovering hypocrite. So, And I mean that in the sense that um, uh, rest is not easy or natural for me. So I tend to feel um, driven and desire to uh, do a lot of things and, and be involved in a lot of stuff um, because hitting pause on life and just sitting and reflecting has been um, a challenge for me to figure out what that looks like. So um, I would say that there's a few things that have helped me frame what it looks like to experience the rest that Christ offers. So theology framework, you know, in Matthew, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, right? And I will give you rest. So the promise is our rest is found in relationship with Christ. So then the question becomes, how does, what rhythms do we set in life where our relationship with Christ grows more intimate? And that's the key component. So for me and my job as a pastor, there's a lot of um, thinking, studying, um, even some some counseling and stuff. So there's a lot of mind energy that's expended. Um, And so for me, rest comes and I discover um, more intimacy with Christ by allowing myself to do physical activity. So daily, I put into a rhythm, pulling aside for an hour if I can, and just doing something where um, I'm enjoying some level of physical activity and and meeting the Lord and finding rest from the mental energy that I'm expending. Mm, that's good. Um, I think it's critical through the course of a week to take a day Um, And I don't think that that's the command per se necessarily in Exodus where it talks about keeping the Sabbath day and um, remembering it and keeping it holy. I think it's embedded in creation. So what we're doing is we're uniting our understanding in the character of God and that he worked, did creation over six days and rested one. And so I think that there's a sense for us that at a a bare minimum, um, we get a window into the control that we struggle with in our lives if we feel like we have to be driven seven days a week. Yeah. I mean, we're, we already realize that we've been created with limitations. So you and I can't work 24 hours a day, right? Mm-hmm. We've been created to sleep. Um, even the psalmist tells us that God grants sleep to those he loves. So sleep embedded in the reality of who God has created us is a recognition that the way the world works and the things that need to get done can get done under God's control and purview even when we're resting, even when we're asleep. So it's critical for us to be able to put things in our lives where we're willing to hit pause and say, at the end of the day, I don't have to drive myself into the ground because it's going to lead to um, emotional... um, fragility, I guess you could say, like 
I'm just so burnt that I have a hard time in relationships with people or I have a hard time in relationships with God. Um, and I think the other piece that tends to happen, at least in our day and age, is that we feel like we're really busy. But the problem is, <laughs> is that we're really stressed because we haven't managed our time well. Mm. We get distracted by a lot of different things. And so then test comes up, sermons have to be given, demands of life intrude in, and we're like, I don't have time for all this. But if we looked back on our schedule, we're <laughs> I like- I think about yeah, that a lot. Yeah, we would just be like, well, I didn't maybe use my time all that great. Yeah, and it's so like, what stress- did I do when I went home from work? Yeah, yeah. Like, make a chart, make a list. That's it's like, right. I sat there. Yeah, I YouTubed, I Facebooked. I, I made know, dinner for three hours. That's right. And I washed dishes and I cleaned the whole apartment for yeah. no reason. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. So I think distractions lend us to feeling stressed and busy when in reality, there's a part of an intentionality of saying, what I wanna do is I wanna prioritize my relationship with God and, and allow my faith to grow. And part of an act of faith is trusting that God has embedded in creation a desire for his creation to rest. Yeah. So all of creation sleeps, right? Um, either there's, a, there's rhythms of seasons. Um, so things are growing, things are dying. You know, there's just that place of realization for us is, as part of his creation that we've been created with limitations because that that draws us to need to trust the perfect provision of God who doesn't run out of energy, who doesn't sleep or slumber. Like he always on all the time and we need to trust that he's doing work beyond what we can do. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that we can convince ourselves like, oh, if I don't keep working on this, like mm-hmm. it won't happen. That's right. Yeah, like... Oh, God can do anything. I trust God, but I'm just going to help him real quick by it, not ever taking a rest. That's you know? right. That's right. Yeah. Like we, we, we feel like <laughs> we're, we're more like God is more of a colleague or a partner right. than he is, you know, <laughs> controller and Lord. Yes. Uh, yeah. And so, I think about that. I mean, my friends, they, yeah, they that, struggle with that. That's right. That's, that's right. Um, I think this brings up a good thing that uh, my friends tend to get involved mm-hmm. in where it's like, where is that line between taking a rest, air quotes around it, mm-hmm. and laziness? Mm-hmm. Like I find myself, you know, let's say studying or mm-hmm. something like that, preparing, doing work. It's like, oh, I'm just going to take a quick break. You know, like it's good to rest. It's mm-hmm. good. And then, you know, like we said before, and then we rest for the whole day and nothing gets done. So mm-hmm. where where do you find that line between taking a rest, like mm-hmm. intentional rest, and just being straight up lazy and mm-hmm. not? Well, in the Bible, I mean, this is again, and I appreciate you asking that for your friends, Taylor. Um, <laughs> you know, you're, it's, that's really great because I think what happens is that this is the this is the subterranean conversation again mm-hmm. about our hearts, and, and what I mean by that is that um, part of what we have to do is gaze into the levels of our motives. And so, um, let's say, um, you know, someone's been called to to study, or and God has uh, gifted them to be a um, uh, a medical professional or a doctor or uh, uh, an engineer of some type. And so they're in school right now, which is a calling the Lord has given them. Um, and so there's this uh, missional aspect where God is growing them to be effective in how he's called them uh, to, to live their life and what he's called them to do. And in the process of those things, sometimes we meet things that we're just not as interested in. Mm-hmm. We take classes um, we do work that just isn't all that enjoyable. Um, and so we know that there's a grind to it that we have to get through. But the issue is often the reason why we become lazy is because there's a, 
a lack of interest and a desire to just be like, well, um, we, we justify the feelings and the desires in our own heart to do what we really want to do yeah. and not do what we really should be about. And so that's where I think the rhythm comes in for us is that there's a level of realizing that the Lord has set up a place for us. So like college students, let's say, you know, sometimes they're like, man, I was up until like three o'clock last night. So then you're like, man, you must be really dedicated until you ask, well, I was playing video games and watching TV. So, <laughs> you know, the question is not, you know, are, are you being intentional with even setting up a level of rest in your own life where you're not staying up really late, having to wake up really early and then engaging in your classes, just totally and completely fatigued. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's wisdom in how we make decisions. So certainly taking a break for a while, like, you know, diverting daily for an hour, um, you know, taking a day off a week to make sure that we're just replenishing and refilling ourselves, um, even through the course of a year, um, you know, potentially taking a, uh, some vacation time is critical, um, you know, whether it's a week or a couple weeks. There's just, we need those disconnects. And so even as students, you're expending a lot of mental energy. Yeah. So putting some things in place where you're able to not expend as much mental energy and, and find a place where you're enjoying your relationship with Christ. And so for me, what I've done, because I'm, I feel like I'm always reading or I'm studying something or I'm interacting with people. Rest for me has been sitting under some things and listening. So I listen to mm. podcasts. I, I'll, I'll do it while I'm going on a run or a bike ride. And so I'm meeting with the Lord. The Lord is ministering to me in significant ways, but I'm doing physical activity and I'm being fed by other people in significant ways. And so I still enjoy reading and that can be restful for me. Um, it's a good book. Sometimes I'll even just like read fictional books. I just finished um, A Thousand Splendid Sons, which is great. And I just, you know, it was an audio book. So I was able to just listen to it while I uh, ran. That's another or in my sad car. one. It is. It was hard, but it's great. So, but there's just that place of realizing like I, I need to put in places where rest for me wouldn't be doing the same thing that I do every other day, just right. in a different way. Like I need to think creatively about ways that I really feel rested. So hunting mm -hmm. is restful for me. Physical exercise is restful for me. I enjoy oh, those so pieces. So it's different person to person uh -huh, for, sure. for sure. And so let's say someone works in the construction industry and all they do is physical activity. Uh, they all, wouldn't want to go some, on a run that's for right. rest. So, that's right. Sometimes they just want to disconnect and rest and sleep or whatever the case may be that allows them to, to disconnect from some of the, the, the demands on their life. So, wow. That's good. Um, uh, so you said that you sometimes struggle with this or you have in the past, but mm -hmm. how would you encourage someone that has a hard time taking a rest mm -hmm. to just begin to get into that rhythm? Like mm -hmm. what? Cause I think when we had the meeting with the ministry associates, you went into this a little bit and mm -hmm. it was really helpful mm -hmm. for like me and Laura. Cause mm -hmm. we both also like to work really hard and mm -hmm. have a hard time, you know, taking mm -hmm. time for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I would say a couple things. Um, first and foremost, um, I think there, there's two things that that are probably big factors in that. Um, number one, at least what I've seen in my own life is um, the issue of having to compete against the thought that God would be proud of me if I worked harder. Mm. So approval was an issue for me. Like I just thought, 
I've got to be more driven. The church would grow more if I was working harder, a better person and more available. And so, you know, that's just a distortion of the truth. My identity is in Christ. I have rest in Jesus. He's the one that's doing the work in, in the ministry here and all of those things. And so I, you know, there's a, a twisting of it where I sort of made it about my ability and competency more than about the goodness and the competency of God. And so I, I literally, that's where I think the sin is, is I had to confess the fact that um, there's a sense in which I felt like if I did all the right things and had the right formula, then everything would work out the way that it mm. should. So there's an internal issue that's there. Um, but I think the second one, because at least for me personally, my struggle is approval. Like I, um, I think if there's an idol in my heart, that would be one of it where I just, I moved to, to wanting this level of approval and acceptance. Um, one of the cr most critical things is um, the ability to say no, mm. because there's demands that yeah. we have on our life. And so there's like you're in school or your friends are in school. And so they're, they're studying all these things and, and, and they can't just say, no, I'm not going to turn in this assignment because I need to ask. Like that doesn't <laughs> yeah, work. That, you can't right, say right. no. You have to, I mean, for me, Sunday comes every week. And so I, I need to be prepared for that <laughs> yeah. and put my, but there are things that intrude into life that I can say no to. And, and I can say no without feeling guilty or experiencing shame. Like it's okay not to have to be everything and do everything and say yes to everything and then walk away feeling like I've let someone down. Mm. Um, so, so, so no is a critical word for rest, that there's a level of That's good. choosing intimacy with Christ. So if God has given me through Christ, faith in Christ, and even Hebrews talks about it, right? That he's, he's, he's called us to enter this rest. And so my rest and my intimacy, if other things are intruding in my relationship with Jesus and that's taking the hit, something's off. So if I'm saying yes to... Um, all of these friendships or all of these relationships or all of this work or all of this time and and by extension saying no to Jesus, something's mm. off. I got to say yes to Jesus first, right? He's the source of my rest. And so what does that look like in my growing intimacy with Christ? And, and at times that's going to mean I'm going to say no to some things yeah. and, and that's all right. And then I would say finding things that you really feel in your life where you discover joy and growing intimacy with Jesus. So it, it certainly could be podcast like this one, one of the best ones in the United States of America. Yes. Uh, worldwide. <laughs> um, or it could be just like, I enjoy uh, being outside. Yeah. There's something about nature that um, ignites worship for me. I enjoy what the Lord has done. So, uh, you know, I, I find specific places that I enjoy going. And, and I do activities in those things, but I'm experiencing creation. So I like to mountain bike, I like to fish, I like to hike, all of those kinds of things are ways in which I get a chance to enjoy the work of God. And so whether it's running outside or doing that stuff, there's just a level of joy that I find in those things. Um, and then I think for me, because I'm highly relational, um, relationships also f fill me in some way. So there's some critical relationships that just help me discover more about um about jesus and that intimacy so my relationship with my wife and kids there's just that sense in which yeah. i get to see what god's doing and then also some friendships where there's just a a sense in which it's a 
It's a partnership in my life where I know these people really deeply care about me. And it's not me feeling like I need to counsel them or it's not ministry related. It's just about what the Lord is doing in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so discussing those things, I think, has been helpful for me. Um, and then I think one of the things that each of us have to do in moving towards rest is be honest with our limitations. Like we have to admit yeah. that we don't know all things, we can't do all things, and we just aren't able to accomplish all of the tasks in and of ourselves. Um, one person said, obstacles to rest, high competency, high control, low faith. And I think that's oh. what it is, right? I mean, <laughs> so we, we feel yeah. like, like, I, like, all of us have been called and gifted with specific things, which is awesome. But when we think about being gifted, so gifted with, um, you know, whether you're pursuing nursing or working with people or counseling or preaching or whatever, whatever the gift that God has given you, we think, okay, I've got to make sure that I do all these things to, to live out this gift. And we miss the fact that it's a gift. Yeah. God gave it to us. He's the giver. So he's the one that's sustaining and working us. And we want to be faithful in the calling, but he's the one that's been the one that's been directing us. So intimate faith with Christ is what helps us understand the calling that he wants us to accomplish. It's his work in us, not our work for him. So one of the things that we realize is that we're not employees for God. We don't work for him. Mm. Right? He works in us so that he receives the glory. Because if we work for him, we could say, look, I'm ready for a pay raise, right? Right. Like, here's a promotion. I'm more, yes. because look at what I do for you. And and that just is. I feel is like a, God owes us something because right. of how hard we're working. That's right. It's a <laughs> huge distortion. Yeah, it's so, it's so weird. We just convince ourselves that these uh, things are true. That's right. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people might not even realize that this is something they struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, until, you know, they get it nailed down. It's like, oh, yeah. I do feel exhausted all the time. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I don't do activities that I find joy in and help me enjoy the Lord more, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, let's, let's yeah. get on that. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. And I think the Bible describes it. Uh, Col- Colossians tells us that, um, you know, God has given us a, a rest, uh, but that, that those things are just a shadow of things to come. And so, when we say shadow, what we mean is that even our intimacy with Christ, we we see things dimly. But even as we take rest, the reason we take rest is because we want to honor God with our lives and it's embedded in creation. But it, it's only a mere shadow of what we're going to experience in terms of complete rest in heaven. Mm-hmm. So what it's doing in our choosing to actly, actively work out our faith by choosing to rest in our relationship with Christ is there's a cultivation and a preparation for an eternal rest we'll experience with Christ forever. So we're not just choosing to take a break, right? We're choosing to say, I want to press into my relationship with Jesus because he's the source of all of my rest in preparation for an eternal rest that I'll experience in heaven one day where the fullness of everything that's pulling me away from my relationship with God will be gone. Mm. And there's just a, a complete, worship and joy that I'll experience um, and complete rest with God in heaven. So Mm. it's an act of faith, an act of worship. Absolutely. Yeah. We just get to hang out. Yeah, that's right. Win, 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 win. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this was awesome and we hope this was helpful. If it produces any questions, email us and I will forward those to pastor Charlie and you can yell at him. That sounds good. All right. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend. If you have any questions, feedback, or topic suggestions, please email us at askingforafriend@psbible.com. If you're interested in learning more about our church, visit psbible.com. Bye!